Welcome to SEC Football Live, a old but brand new product from 440 Sports and that SEC podcast, Michael Bratton. How are you, sir? I am Braden Gall, by the way. That's my name. Uh, you can get to me on X. Is that what it's called now? Uh, <laughs> X machine, Twitter machine, at Braden Gall. Michael, how are you, sir? Yeah, what an original name we came up with, huh? I mean, that SEC podcast, SEC Football Live. Um, I mean, that that's a sign of my intelligence right there, of my contributions. Branding is best done when it is simple, <laughs> Michael. That is, And that is part of your genius, my friend. That SEC podcast, of course. And here's the deal. Here's here's like, first of all, I've been listening to your stuff, uh, been an admirer of your work for a long time. You've been on our shows a bunch. And we wanted to do something where we could go live directly to the audience, interact with college football fans, SEC football fans that care about the product, that want to be a part of the show. And you simply cannot do that in podcast form. So what we decided after many beers and lots of pizza, uh, we just we decided, you know what? Let's just do let's just do a live product. Let's go live. Uh, we want to be available and accountable and around with you, SEC football fans. So SEC football live on that SEC podcast YouTube page on the 440 Sports YouTube page. Uh, of course, it'll be a podcast as well. Just like if you're already subscribed to our our former show, Fringe Element, it's going to show up there in your podcast feed. So please subscribe to that. Uh, but every single Tuesday at one o'clock p.m. Eastern Time, noon Central Standard God's Time, where most of the SEC lives and operates, uh, every single Tuesday we will be live and talking to you, Michael. I could not be more excited to be hanging out with you, man. Yeah, this is your audition, uh, cousin Shane. Is he's one not showing up away from getting fired and you, <laughs> you being replaced by Braden Gall? No, I'm just kidding. This this is a separate entity, but uh, cousin Shane. My co-host there at that SEC podcast, everybody's favorite. Uh, I would never think of replacing him, but he's a working man. He's a husband. Uh, he's got a demanding lifestyle, so he cannot do these live shows that often. So uh, that's kind of why Braden and I kind of came up with this idea. And um, I don't think I've ever told you this story, Braden, but years ago is when I met Stephen Lassen at the, the Athlon Sports uh, uh, Center there. There's your contractually obligated mention of Stephen Lassen on the show. That's your one. <laughs> they, I can't remember the guy's – no, his name was Rich. Very nice guy. He, he gave me a tour of the Athlon Sports Facility, and Braden was in, like, this conference room doing the podcast. They're like, they're, they're doing the podcast right now. The same podcast, the Athlon podcast that Braden still does. He's been doing it for years. And they're like, you want to meet him? And I was like, no, I can't. I can't speak to a celebrity. You know what I mean? Oh, like I was the, in no get position. Get the fuck out of here. And that was like 10 years, <laughs> five, 10 years ago. So, uh, yeah, no, I've been a fan for a long, long time. So that, I think this is pretty cool. Well, uh, I am honored to be your second choice. <laughs> I've, nothing's ever been a, a greater accomplishment. Fatherhood, uh, you know, children, getting married almost 10 years now. Um, nope, nope. Being second to Shane is my career accomplishment. <laughs> Number one at the top of the list. Uh, no, it, listen, that, that, that show is fun. The one we do for Apple on sports, we still do it. Steven and I still do it. Uh, but it, and, and I get to talk about Oregon state's offensive line, but I, I mean, listen, I'm an sec grad. I have lived in sec States, the footprint, as they say, right. I've lived in the footprint. Uh, I'm 41 years old for 36 years. Um, and I've lived in three different States in the sec footprint. Um, I, my family is also from Florida from originally don't please don't hold that against me. Um, 
it's just in my blood. And when you go to a, when you live in this area, like there's just, I, I hate the, 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 the branding there of it just means more, but it just does. It just is. It's more important. Um, if Mississippi state is the seventh best job in the West soon to be defunct and RIP sec West, uh, Mississippi state's got a better fan base and a better stadium atmosphere and a better game day experience than I don't know, 70, 80% of most other conferences. And so I think it just speaks to the, the passion. So I, I love the idea of being able to talk with SEC football fans every single week. Again, Tuesdays, 1 o'clock Eastern time on both YouTube pages. It will be a podcast, so you can consume it that way if you want to. Um, you can still interact all over the social platforms. But really, it's about like, hey, we want to discuss what took place in the SEC this weekend. We want to look ahead at next weekend. And we want to do it where we get to talk to you guys. And there you go. That's where the creative title of SEC Football Live came from. Yeah, no, I, I'm looking forward to it, Braden. And, and like I was saying before we start recording here, I mean, I'm I'm at that point. I'm basically, I'm almost done talking about football. I want to watch football. I'm just so excited. Fall camps uh, opening all across the SEC. Uh, let's, you know, hope and Hope and pray no one gets injured. Unfortunately, that's going to be a reality. And, and maybe, you know, those, those are the type of things we'll be able to talk about in real time and how that affects the season. So uh, I'm excited. I'm, I'm excited to see where this goes and, and new venture that, uh, again, I mean, live video is apparently that's where it's at nowadays. Yeah, baby. And getting to interact with people in real time, shoot us questions, comments, complaints. I don't care. I'll, I'll say anything on air and, that's another beautiful thing about YouTube. It's, you know, it's kind of, I don't want to say R rated, but it certainly can be. And, and that's the way, uh, that's the way I like doing it. Shit, yeah, it can be. <laughs> <laughs> this is not ESPN. This is not yeah. all those other, and, th and yeah. there's nothing wrong with those networks, but this is different. And uh, that, that's one of my favorite things about it. No, total safe space, as they say, uh, for SEC football fans. You say whatever you want here. Doesn't mean I have to agree with you, not you, but like anyone. Uh, and I don't expect anyone to agree with me. I, that's if you if you want to take time out of your day to hang out with us and tell me how much of a freaking idiot I am, I, I I'm honored by that. I said it on your show at Media Days. I'm honored by the people that want to take time out of their day to t tell us how terrible our predictions are when I pick Kentucky to finish second in the East or some crazy shit like that. So um, I, I think you're right though. It's we're tired of like uh, we're we're like I'm tired of talking to other media. You know, like you're saying, Media Days is always a great symbol and sign that the season is coming. Uh, Vanderbilt, by the way, in a piece of news, Clark Lee is opening up every practice to the media for the entire practice. There are some rules and regulations on what you can and can't report. But last Thursday and Friday, like I, I popped by and got to watch a football practice for fuck's sake. It was great. It was great uh, because you're right. I'm, I'm tired of I'm tired of hitting other media members. I want to hit somebody else now. <laughs> Yeah, what was that like with the uh, with all the construction and everything? Are they are they practicing in the facility or where are they practicing? But, well, they've got it was actually cooler, and so they had like they, they've got like an outdoor they have a giant outdoor field, and then they've got their indoor field. So it just depends on the weather where what they do. But like the construction is actually like a there's a there's the the football for those that don't know about West End. There's their stadium if you want to call it that, <laughs> and, and then there's a, a road, and then there's like the facility. That's not very big, not like anything else in the SEC. And then on the back side of that is the practice fields and the and the and the indoor practice facility, which James Franklin got paid for and built. And all of that is going to be different. It's all going to be worked together. The road is going to be gone, and the facility and the stadium are going to be baked together and cooked together. But it's not it's not going to happen for another couple of years. Right? Dude, they got dude. They got Georgia and Auburn coming to town. 
it was already only 38,000. Now it's going to be like 27,000. <laughs> I, I don't know how many Vanderbilt fans are going to get to watch the games this year. <laughs> we ought to buy them tickets now, Braden. I mean, that's going to be a hot ticket alert. You know, with all these fans coming up, we can hit them on the secondary market. But uh, there you go. But I look forward to those uh, Georgia home games here in Nashville. <laughs> those are always a good time. My daughter, my six-year-old, would I told this story, I think on your show and my show and every other show. My six-year-old shamed me into taking her to the Tennessee Vanderbilt game last year. And, you know, it was 46 to nothing. And Tennessee had scored five straight touchdowns. And she'd heard Rocky Top about 12 times. And she looks up in the stands and she goes, Dad, there's a lot of orange here. I was like, welcome to Vanderbilt football, honey. <laughs> not, to, not to be disparaging to the lovely and wonderful and amazing Commodores. Uh, but uh, uh, obviously. Uh, hey, let me ask you this, though, right off that. What is the bigger challenge, you think, for Clark Lee getting, again, I mean, we, we have to fairly, I mean, expectations are different at Vanderbilt. But what do you think is the bigger challenge, uh, you know, making that maybe like an annual bowl team? And then. I don't know if that's that should be what we're shooting for, but just something like that or uh, filling that stadium with with Vanderbilt fans. Or do you think it just one follows the other? What, what's your thoughts on that? That's hard. So this would be a great question for for Aaron Dugan, of course, who was on Fringe Element previously. She'll be involved in the show as well um, as a Vanderbilt grad. I, I think, you know, I think asking him to go to a bowl game is every year like consistently is probably too much. And I think most Vandy people will tell you that, but they are now investing right? They're trying to invest in the program and actually give Clark Lee time and patience and infrastructure and resources to do it. They're being creative in their administration, right? Like hiring a guy like Barton Simmons is a creative move to try to be more relatable and like build a, a, a scouting department that's more like NFL-ish, which is kind of like what Billy Napier is doing at Florida. Um, you know, James Franklin was the basically the greatest, most popular coach in the history of the program had the most success basically in the history of the program in the modern era, at least. And he was begging people to come to games and hopefully with the new stadium, I don't think you can ask Clark Lee to get, to, I mean, don't you think nine wins is batshit crazy for Vanderbilt? So I, I don't know. I think two, two out of four, every other year you go to a bowl game, two out of three, where are you like, what's fair? What do you think's fair? Well, I mean, right now it's kind of hard to set the expectations for that, but um, I, I mean, best like if you are if you have the right coach and you have the right guy and you're yeah. and you're and you've got a stable program like Mark Stoops, right, at Kentucky, ten years of Clark Lee, is it every other year? Two no, I mean, I I think I think the expectation should be every year because what are we talking about? Two SEC wins if if you sweep your non-conference, that shouldn't be that hard or. An outstanding APR and a five and seven. I mean, uh, I, I wouldn't now we're say, talking. you know, if he misses a bowl, we put him on the hot seat. I'm not sitting here saying that, but I mean, by year five, I mean, I think they should annually be five and seven bare minimum. I, I would think is a, I mean, that's a pretty low standard in the SEC. Uh, well, but that's the problem is they don't have like, and you, I didn't mean to turn this into a Vanderbilt episode, but like, <laughs> we, we, it's what's interesting is they just off don't. to a hot start. <laughs> <laughs> we discuss the big storylines here on SEC Football Live. No, I I think I I just don't think it's reasonable to ask a program like Vanderbilt. Like it's hard to ask Kentucky and Ole Miss and South Carolina and Arkansas seventy thousand seat stadiums, eighty thousand seat stadiums with huge booster donor bases and history and tradition of you know you know pre integration championships. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, 
it's hard to ask those teams to recruit with Alabama and Georgia and AM and LSU and Tennessee now. I, I just I just don't I think you unfortunately you have to set the bar at a reasonable level for a program that just doesn't it's not the same. It's different than every other team in the conference. And now you're gonna add Texas and Oklahoma to that? Like I I don't know. I think six wins every year is a, is is asking a lot of that program. And maybe I, you're right. I, maybe I'm not maybe I need to put the bar higher. I don't know. I just can't wait, Braden, for Texas to lose to Vanderbilt for the first time and just <laughs> see the meltdown that comes from Austin. Uh, it, I tell you what, Media Days was good for one thing. It they, people are fucking ready for Texas and OU, man. Oh yeah, no like, that 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 surprised me as well. Every bit of Texas and Oklahoma content we put out uh, just went bananas. And then uh, thanks to friend of the show, both shows, Billy Lucci. I mean, yeah. him getting on there and talking smack about Texas. I love that too. I'm, uh, I'm ready again. That's another one. I'm, I love the, the, the back and forth, but I'm, I'm so tired of it. I want to see Texas and Texas A&M on the yeah. field yeah. and, uh, hey, we'll, we'll be getting it before long. It's funny. I talked to him, um, last week or two weeks ago, whatever it was when they were here, I, time, time's a flat circle. I'm ready for practice. I'm ready for, for games. LSU, Florida state, baby, just stay focused. Uh, we do get a week zero game. Speaking of Vanderbilt, we do get Hawaii coming to town in week zero, which is cool. Um, I, I think, and since I, I moved to Nashville from Austin and I lived in Austin for three and a half years, I went to uh, middle school there. That's where I kind of started playing football and at a middle school level. And it's very serious (laughs) in middle school in Texas. We we played on Thursday nights at Westlake high school on AstroTurf. You know what I mean? Like in front of the stadium that would have 10,000 people the next night for the high school team. And I, like I went to every Texas, Texas A&M game for four years and it is like, I've been to Tennessee, Alabama. I've been to Georgia, Florida. I've been to the Egg Bowl. I've been to a lot of games. Kentucky, Louisville is a really great rivalry that people don't talk about. There are a lot of great rivalries in in this conference, among if not the best rivalries in college football. I I don't know if Auburn, Alabama is better than Texas, Texas A and M. I don't know if it is. The, that that night in College Station in two years is is going to be everything that you love about college football wrapped into one night. And I think if Texas and Texas A&M both have good years this year, which I think they could do even just like steps forward, right? Like even just nine win seasons, the hype going into the following year, coming into the sec for the first time with a road game at A&M. Are you kidding me? It's just, it's nuts. It's absolutely nuts. It's, it's not better than the iron bowl or the egg bowl. But it is as good. Uh, which, I would, I would say. Which, which one wins? Have I already asked you this? I apologize. If so, which team wins a SEC championship first, Texas or Texas A and M? Oh, A and M or Texas? God, because A and M's not done it yet either. So no, they they haven't won a division. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> uh, they won a Heisman though. They did get that. They did get a Heisman. Um, and because I think if I would ask you this twelve months ago, slam dunk, A and M's the answer. But now I think a lot of people would lean Texas, even though they've done nothing to earn that besides recruit well and land at Arch Manning. You know, well, I mean. so it's if how much do you believe the culture change is what matter at both at both programs? Because clearly they both had culture problems, right? Like you could see it on the sidelines at AM during the games and at Texas, and again, having lived around it for a couple of years, like it is entitled, man. They are holier. No disrespect to you, lovely and amazing Texas Longhorn fans. I was there for Priest Holmes and Ricky Williams in the same backfield. I watched it. I went to those games. Uh, 
there is an entitlement factor that has caused Texas problems. It's why they can't line up like Bama or, or like the way Georgia's lined up now from top to bottom. And if you listen to this other coaches, their scouting reports will tell you anonymously, of course, as is the best shit talk. <laughs> uh, they'll tell you that the, the entitlement has been removed from the Texas locker room, that the that, that part is, is mm. gone. And if that's true, then we'll see it on the field this year. I mean, that's easy to say in the offseason, though, isn't it? Right. Like, and I think that's what makes this year so fascinating for Oklahoma and include Oklahoma in this. Like Oklahoma's trending in the wrong direction to be coming into the SEC. Texas is trending in the right direction, but needs to sh- sh- to prove it. And AM, same thing. Like, did they fix the culture problems? Is Bobby Petrino gonna fix all of that? Is a quarterback gonna fix all of that? Or you know, like I, I don't think we have any clue what direction those three programs are gonna be heading into when they join the when they when the two join the league next year. And everybody was talking about it. It was all, I mean, it was one, NIL and Texas and Oklahoma. <laughs> Those are the big stories at Media Days. And I, let, I think let me ask you this. We're gonna learn sorry, not, sorry to cut you off, but um, because a lot of people are already looking ahead to 2024 with Texas and Oklahoma coming in with an expanded playoff, with the return of the NCAA video game. I'm, I'm a nerd, sorry. So oh, yeah. uh, there's a lot to look forward to a year from now, but it kind of reminds me, Braden, of the final year of the BCS. Uh, everybody was kind of done with that. They were looking to the four-team playoff, uh, much like Georgia now, Alabama, two-time national champion, going for a third. And what happened was one of the most remarkable runs we've ever seen with Auburn, with the prayer at Jordan Hare and the kick six. Yeah. And just one hell of a of championship game. Is it? In my mind, at least, I think with people looking ahead, I think we are in store for a historic season, a great run, and it a lot of parallels there with Alabama and Georgia. Everybody, not everybody, but but a lot of people assume Georgia's going to cakewalk through it. So, but, so Kentucky's going to win the SEC is what you're telling me. <laughs> That's what I'm hearing. It may, may, I mean, they're in contention. I, I think but, Auburn was picked like fourth that year in the in the West. I think. Right. I mean, like I, I'm looking right at you, Hugh. If you can uh, <laughs> not have a scandal between now and then, but I mean, they they could catch <laughs> fire. I'd be asking I, a lot. I, yeah, I mean, it it was asking a lot of Gus Malzahn and and uh, uh, what's the quarterback? I, I forget. Nick, his so name. Nick Nick Marshall was name. So yeah, he was go. he got he got kicked out of Georgia for like stealing from like Georgia's locker room mm-hmm. or something like that. And it's what's funny is I went down and covered uh, after that the next spring, I went down to Auburn to cover the spring practice in the spring game, like a day for Auburn. And I was down there like talking to Nick Marshall. And I was like, dude, you've played in You've not played in a spring game at Auburn and you've played in the national championship game. Like he, he started a national championship game for Auburn before he started in the spring game. <laughs> like <laughs> it was so weird that whole journey that whole path that whole story i agree with you that this is going to be a wild year because of the it's an end of an era no right. more divi- no more divisions expansion you mentioned it all i think we are in for a wild season i think three-peating is incredibly difficult i don't think georgia wins the national championship i don't know how they lose the sec championship but i think it's possible somebody could beat them tennessee lsu bama somebody could beat them I think after Georgia, we have total chaos from like two down to 13. I think uh, Vanderbilt's pretty much 14 and Georgia's pretty much one, but I think everybody else is capable of beating each other. And I think it's going to be wild. I think people it's, and I'll, I'll ask you this. How are you going to define this decade? Cause like, this is like the way we look back on the BCS to me, it was like a stepping stone 
like a, a precursor to what was to come. We had this four team playoff and like we had the return of Georgia. We had more dominance by Alabama. Like it, Clemson's not an SEC team, but like they kind of returned to glory too. I don't know how we define the playoff era and the 10 years that existed outside of like, I mean, Joe Burrow's in there too, but like outside of Kirby and Nick, I don't know how we define it as an era. Like, I don't know what to call it. The decade of dominance. I get, I mean, yeah. people have said that with Bama. I mean, I think that's, that's clearly the answer. And that's why I call it the, 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 the dynasty, uh, the, the decaying dynasty is, is what I'm going to now. Oh, Cause I the think de- Alabama, the decaying Alabama's, dynasty. Yeah. I got a third You've been very clear that they are the fourth best team in, in the SEC all season long. And that's fine. I'm ready for games to start so that we can find out if that part's true. Oh yeah. Well, I'm, I'm as, I'm wrong about as often as I'm right, but, uh, Hey, circling back. I mean, would it, would it be completely outlandish I realize this is probably not going to happen, but is it outlandish to project ahead and say Texas, Texas A&M, if everything breaks right, meet in the college football playoff? I mean, how crazy would that be? Oh, this year? Yeah. Oh, man, it would be perfect for the storylines. I mean, that's conceivable, oh, right? Oh, my God. I, I mean, no. it's not It's not crazy. I do like A&M to beat Bama. So, to your point, yeah. I mean, they have to... <laughs> I I have been picking AM to win that game all offseason. I think Emma <laughs> I think Bama loses one time. They lose to AM. Emma gets AM gets up for that game. They yep. don't get up for any other game. They have medication for that. So I think I think hopefully <laughs> hopefully Bobby Petrino is the medication. So uh but it, it would I I again for those who are gonna learn about Texas and Texas AM, for you Mississippi State fans and South Carolina fans and Tennessee fans who don't know what Texas and Texas AM is all about. Uh, it is, it just is, it's, it's as big as the iron bowl, as the egg bowl, as you know, any other rivalry you can throw on the table. It is that big in that, in that state. Like seriously, uh, Michael, we grew up, you know how you grew up with like your mama so fat jokes, like everywhere mm-hmm. in America. Yep. Pro- probably we get canceled for that now, but like your mama so fat, right? <laughs> Those are the jokes that you all learn to tell when you're like in fifth grade and you're a snotty little brat. who's got like acne and you act like an asshole. Uh, the joke, you don't do that in, te- in Austin. That's not what you learn. You learn Aggie. So dumb jokes. That's what you learn. <laughs> you just come up with jokes that are like, Oh, how do you confuse an Aggie? How- Texas A&M so dumb. Like you just that. And I say that not because it's true. I just say that because it's, that's the rivalry. Like it's, yeah. it's how much they hate each other. It's, mm. I think Texas and Oklahoma. So I learned how to cuss going to a Texas Oklahoma game in 1994. I was there for the stony stand. My dad took me to the Cotton Bowl. We drove up to Dallas from Austin, watched Texas, Oklahoma. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. I don't think they hate Oklahoma. And again, I learned how to cuss with one side of the stadium yelling at the other side of the stadium. <laughs> I, was, <laughs> I was like 11 years old, and my dad's like, don't, don't listen to them. <laughs> uh, let me ask you this, because I keep seeing this pop up all over my timeline. I think you know, I probably shared it as well. But your, your hot take, Georgia not winning the national championship. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, why, why do you hate Kirby and, and why do they not I, get it done? I, I, I just, I, as a person, I don't like him, you know, <laughs> that's what it is. Uh, I pick 132 teams. You get one. That's the hot take is, is I'm taking the 132. Uh, I just think it's super hard. I think they are not as, you know, and Carson Beck could prove me wrong by like week five against Auburn. Um, and I think he's going to be pretty good, but like Mike Bobo is not as good as Todd Munkin. And I don't think Carson Beck's as good as Stetson Bennett. 
And I think the defense is probably as good. Maybe Tennessee gets some. I just think I just think it's hard, man. Like three peating has never happened in the history of college football. I just don't think it's a thing that's going to happen anytime soon. Now that we have more parity and more roster turnover and more churn and and frankly more good coaches in this in the SEC, like we have better coaching in this conference. Like part of the reason James Franklin was any good was because the coaching in this league was at its low point in like 11, right. 12, and thirteen. And now it's at its highest. I think it's the best I've ever seen this coaching, um, maybe ever in this conference. I mean, you have rock stars almost everywhere. And yeah, pe- people always remember the outcomes. You know, Georgia's dominant, number one. I get all that. They should be preseason number one. But you just you forget all the things along the way. You know, what happens if Kirby doesn't call that timeout against Ohio State? Yeah. Uh, what if Ohio State makes that field goal? Uh, what if Missouri can – punch it in on the goal line against them. Uh, what if they had to face Alabama? I mean, what it, I know yeah. Tennessee, Tennessee, Georgia was, was not that competitive and I'm not going to argue that it, that it was, but I don't think it was the ass kicking that a lot of people thought it was either because head and hooker had Jalen Hyatt about three or four times and he missed them. Yeah, He did not play I, a good game in that game. I mean, we could sit here and what if everything, but I mean, had he connected on two of those, maybe Tennessee wins that I, game. You know I, I mean? I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna deny that particular outcome, but here's what I think you can say. Like I I think it was an ass kicking because Kirby didn't try in the th- in the third and fourth quarter. Like he yeah they stopped the run and they didn't have to do anything else after that because Hendon was off that day. Just plain and simple, Hendon was off. Here's what I think could have what you can do though because if the divisions were gone like they're gonna be, Tennessee would have rematched. It would have been Georgia Tennessee one and two in Atlanta, and they would have rematched in Atlanta, assuming Hendon Hooker doesn't hurt his knee against South Carolina. I think to suggest that Tennessee doesn't play much better in a second crack at Georgia would be stupid. I think, of course, they would play better in a second crack. Doesn't mean they're good enough to win. Who knows? But that's another way to do this, because next year, Georgia's going to have to play the number two team in the conference, not the best team from the other division. Right. right? Like it, like LSU would have finished fourth last year. Mm-hmm. So and, it would have in college football. Just I mean, it changes. I'm not trying to. It just sounds like we're just taken away from Georgia's glory here. Georgia sucks, I, man. They're terrible. In the any other time than the playoff era, Georgia gets beat by Alabama in the SEC championship. What happens? Georgia's dream season ends that day. Yeah, yeah. Now, because of the four team format, uh, they got an, obviously another chance, and they they capitalized on it. But I mean, th- those are things Steve Spurrier didn't get, Philip Fulmer didn't get. Uh, you know, Nick Saban early in his career, on and on and on. Gene Chizik, Les Miles. <laughs> <laughs> but you, you see my Historically point. Historically I mean, great coaches. Right. I mean, you drop one game and it's it's yeah. you're you're done. And thankfully for those coaches today, I mean, that's that's not the way it is. I, I do think there's a lot of complaining about, oh, like XYZ game is going to lose its luster because of the expansion. I disagree. I think like Alabama Auburn is not going to suck because there's a playoff that's expanded. If anything, it's going to be even better. Like, I don't, I don't know. I get what people are saying. I just don't think it's true. I think you can enjoy LSU, Florida state, for example, this year, it doesn't like you can enjoy it for being a spectacular football game between two top 10 teams. And if the loser, if it's a close game, the loser still has a chance to make the playoff. Like I don't, especially in a 12 team situation. And so you can enjoy that game for being a great football game and just enjoy it. You don't have to like, it doesn't have to be the, you know, philosophical meaning of life. Like you can just, like love watching Jaden Daniels and George I Travis. I kind of disagree together. with you on that one. Like my favorite is the kick six. And I realized Auburn didn't even win the national championship, but I still, I, 
I think that's the greatest play in, in college football history. Is it that if Alabama makes it into a four-team playoff as the three or four seed and they win the national championship? I, I don't. Why would it take away from that moment for Auburn fans? Like, I don't because it because it was a fucking dagger in Saban's heart and and got him out of winning three. You know, I mean that. But it, but that's I mean, almost the, worth a national championship taking <laughs> one away from him. You know, in my mind, to Auburn fans it probably is. Yeah, it's true. I just I just think that we the the sport evolves and we've got to kind of evolve to appreciate what's going to be great about it. And what's great about it is ten and two Matt Corral Ole Miss makes the playoff. You know, Mississippi State with Dak Prescott makes the playoff. Tennessee and Alabama last year would have made the playoff. Like, mm-hmm. I just think that's worth that one little thing that Auburn did to Nick Saban, which, again, if the kick six happens, it still costs Alabama a trip to the SEC championship game. It's still Auburn still goes to play for the SEC title. They still have a higher seed in the playoff. Like, it still has all those impacts. But now, all the by the way, Tennessee is going to be in the playoff, too. I just think that includes more fun stuff, and it makes all of Tennessee's games more meaningful throughout the course of that season. Kentucky's mm-hmm. 10 win season would have, they could have gotten into the playoff. Florida got, would have gotten into the playoff all three years of Dan Mullen. How crazy is that? <laughs> Sounds like Bill Hancock has paid you off, Braden. Hey, I, no, he's not. Cause every time I see him, I tell him, <laughs> get your, get your goddamn playoff games out of your bowl <laughs> system and put them on some goddamn college football sites. Okay. Put them in Neyland, put them in, you know, in Tuscaloosa, put them in happy Valley, put them in death Valley, put them in college football stadiums on a Saturday. How about that? All right, no. that, that, I'm, that's just a preview of what's to come, folks. We're ready to hit other people. <laughs> this, <laughs> this is what we're getting at here. His name is Michael Bratton, That SEC Podcast. Of course, Michael W. Bratton on the Twitter machine. You can get to me at Braden Gall every single Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern time. We are live on That SEC Podcast YouTube page and 440 Sports as well. So stay tuned, rate, review, subscribe, and share. This has been SEC Football Live. <laughs>